intro. Ladies and gentlemen, we are live! Hang on, game. What happened? Stop. Hang on, guys. Give us a moment. We're live right now. We're live right now. Um, sorry salute about that, guys. Everyone. Yeah, salute to everyone in the chat. Salute to everyone joining us. It seems that the uh, starting intro got cut abruptly, so we're just going to get right into the show. Uh, this is MMA Weekly with Austin and Chef Dan. My name is Chef Dan. Uh, we're here tonight to break down everything that happened in the pay-per-view in UFC 269. You know, the main uh, main event was Charles Oliveira versus Dustin Poirier. But first off, I, I you know, want to start off with uh, Austin. How you doing, brother? Doing well. Um, been a, been a, you know, we're, you know, good weeks. I can't really complain too much. And I'm definitely looking forward to talking about what happened last Saturday and looking forward to this Saturday as this Saturday is a pretty good card. And last Saturday was a really good card, a very excellent card. And can't wait to talk to you guys and look forward to speaking to everyone that's live in the chat and everyone that watches us afterwards and all, everyone that listens to us too in audio platforms as well, whether it be Spotify, Pot, um, Buzzsprout, PyFam, etc., Reason FM, etc. How are you doing tonight, Chef Dan? I'm doing great, but uh, it. Let's get right into it. Um, what's the first fight you want to break down? That's a tough one. I'm debating between main event and co-main event because what happened to co-main event? It's like I'll let you choose. You, you wanna choose. All, right, all right, all right. You know what? Let's do this right. Let's start off with the first fight on the main card. It was Sean O'Malley versus Raulian Paiva. Sean O'Malley won the fight in the first round via TKO and punches. Um, it to me, this fight was exactly the way we we spoke about it. This was Sean O'Malley just having another level on his opponent. Purely, he's just so skilled, and Raleigh and Piva was not ready for it. Sean O'Malley was dancing in and out. You know, Raleigh and Piva did give him a little time, a little rough time here and there uh, in the beginning, but it wasn't enough to where, you know, he disrupted Sean O'Malley's rhythm. As soon as Sean O'Malley got going, he was, you know, jumping in and out, tagging him whenever he wanted to, and then, you know, just laid on the punches and bunches and then finished off Raleigh and Piva. Um, tell me, Austin, like, what did you see in this fight? I saw Sean O'Malley, a guy in Sean O'Malley who basically looked like, he was a step ahead in terms of the striking striking department against Paiva. Like I said, early on, Paiva did some things to make it where it wasn't where what where Sean didn't just destroy him immediately. But however, the fight, the round kept going on. Sean kept getting more and more comfortable, and then eventually he was able to drop him. And then and then you know once he dropped him, he was able to do, throw some more shots and drop him again to the point where Paiva was basically out. And the referee, um, I forget who the ref was. I think it was I think it was Herb Dean. Could be wrong. But I want to say Herb Dean. I don't remember who the ref was in that fight. Was it you know made the right call and stopping the fight? You know, just you know, you know, because Piva looked like he was trying to keep fight. You know, go for her legs. 
you know, it looked like he was trying, you know, keep someone go, but he was out basically. I mean, Sean Malley was just dropped him and and Sean Malley was basically continuing beating him up. But it was a good call. It was a you know a great stoppage from the ref and another great performance for Sean O'Malley. Sean O'Malley shows that he has a lot of talent, especially striking. I mean, Sean Malley may be one of the better, you know, well, maybe one of the better uh a very great striker, let's say one thirty five. No, very careful. No, I'm I'm not even that's not a that's not a crazy statement to make. Yeah, because one thirty five is a lot of great strikers. I mean, you got but oh no, I was just agreeing with you. I'm sorry for cutting you off. I'm just no, agreeing good. with you. Like you're you're right. It it the division does have a lot of great strikers when you look at it, but all in all, I, Sean O'Malley is just he's a really great striker. Yeah, I mean, he is a very great striker, and your striking show, um striking was showcased here against Pava, and Pava had seen seen like nothing could do nothing to stop it. Not even, not even try takedowns. Even, I don't think he went for a takedown that, that I recall. Do you recall him going for a takedown that fight? No. And, you know, I, as much as you want him to go for a takedown, I the uh, commentators called for it all night. I called for it. At what point do you guys not watch film and see that Cheeto Vera won off of leg kicks? At what point do you guys not introduce leg kicks when fighting Sean O'Malley? Because it seems like he... I, that was the thing. That was a. Uh, that was what uh, Raleigh and Paiva had produced during the fight that helped them during the beginning and threw off Sean O'Malley's uh, rhythm. But as soon as he saw it, you know, breaking his rhythm a little bit, that's when he tried to rush. And then after that, he just stopped throwing leg kicks altogether. And it was like, why did you get away from that? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe he, I don't know. Maybe he hurt himself during a leg kick. I don't think so. But who knows? I. Good question. Why? Why do he stop doing it? Very good question. I mean, only. I mean, was Sean checking him very well? I mean, if Sean was checking him very well, I can understand, but I don't think he was. From I recall that fight. I yeah, I remember that fight. He really wasn't checking them well at all. I was yeah. like it. It was one of the reasons why Raleigh and Piva was able to last for as long as he did in that first round. Right and. You're you're right, and it's kind of weird that you go away from that, especially when you're doing decent. I mean, kind of surprised. Now I think of it, it is surprising. I mean, it was his mistake, and Sean capitalized on that. Sean did what he had to do and took him out, but you know, before the second round. Well, yeah, before yeah, the end of the first round, before the second round, and Sean O'Malley with this victory moves up the rankings. Now he's ranked number thirteen. Because I remember Piva. I remember when the fight first got announced, he was fifteen. Piva, but he got out of the rankings. Don't remember why. But you know he you know he beat Piva, a guy who had a pretty good record going in this fight and was had won three in a row if I'm not mistaken. But and because of this fight, Sean O'Malley's now in the rankings. He's basically now from here it's gonna be you know ranked fighters and tougher opponents that people want to see for um Sean O'Malley now. And where do you think Sean goes from here now, um Dan? Uh, looking at the division right now, huh. I don't know. Um, would you like to see him? Is is Rafael Asuncio, uh Is he is he he's, a book for a fight? Yes, he's fighting this weekend. If he's fighting this weekend, then oh man, Frankie Edgar. 
I don't know why, but they said Frankie Edgar moved up in the division. Did he? That's that would make sense. He moved up to eleven because Pedro Munoz dropped. Yeah, that's right. He does have a victory with Pedro Munoz too. Yeah. Okay. Oh, Frankie's got to recover from that vicious knockout. Yes, he does. Ah, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, if. If they do Sean and Frankie, Frankie hopefully doesn't fight for a little while before that fight, before they fight, considering the knockout was so vicious by Cheeto Vera. This guy has called them out. I don't know if you want to do this at this time, you know, next year. Well, not this time next year, but maybe, you know, I'd say around February, March of next year is uh, Marab Divishwali. Uh, yeah, do you know? I mean, I like the idea of that fight, but would, but do you take it if you're Sean? Do you, UFC, do you want to go out of your way and book it? Oh, matter of fact, why am I forgetting this? This guy just won, uh, in the same card on the preliminaries, and they both have been having a nice little back and forth. How's about Dominic Cruz? Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I don't like the I I don't hate the I don't hate the idea. I like the I like the idea. Yeah. I mean, it's a vet. I mean, Sean, I mean, this is definitely a big step up for Sean. I mean, going against the former, you know, bantamweight champion Dominic Cruz, a guy who's actually on a roll now. He's won two in a row, which we'll definitely talk a little bit more about the Cruz fight against Pedro Munoz and you know, guys on a you know, guy if you beat Dominic Cruz, especially impressively, some uh, you know, he, it would definitely propel him. To uh, to not only the rankings, but maybe close their towel fight. I mean, his his cachet would definitely grow bigger. I mean, Sean Malley already has a following some already. I think doing something impressive against a guy like Diamond Cruz can somewhat rise it a little bit more than it already is right now. And it would get Dominic Cruz out of the uh, preliminaries, right back into the main event, right? At least in, not a main event, or it would. This wouldn't be a main event, or it, it could possibly be a main event for a fight night. Yeah, but say. if not, it could at least just be on the main card for a pay per view. Yeah. Oh yeah, most definitely should be. it should be a main card of any pay per view fight. Yeah, that, anything or involved event. with Sean O'Malley. Yeah, is the main card event. Has to be, especially Cruz. I mean, anything involving Cruz, you can make an argument. Especially now, coming off two in a row victories, should definitely be a main card, main event, or of a fight night. Especially if he even if he doesn't fight O'Malley. Let's say he gets the wish to fight Aldo. I mean, that should definitely be a main event of a fight night or a main card fight. Most definitely. But then again, I Aldo and Dillashaw. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That's the fight I prefer to see. That's the fight. Aldo and Dillashaw, and you get Cruz and, and, Cruz and O'Malley. Yeah, I like the idea. All, uh, yeah, I mean... I'm not against either one, you know, Cruz, Aldo, Cruz, you know, Malley, Dillashaw, Aldo. It's great either way. I mean, it's a lot of fun matchups in Bantamweight, that we can say. You could also have maybe, you know, um, Sean O'Malley defending his uh, ranking spot against Song Yudong. Uh, yeah. I didn't think about that point. Yeah, there's a lot of matchups. There's a lot of interesting matchups in this division. So with that being said, I want to move on from there and get to the next fight on the card. 
Kai Kata France versus Cody Garbrandt. This ended in the first round via TKO and punches. I. <sighs> You tell me what you saw in this fight. You, saw, you, you you let the people know what happened in the fight and what you saw. Uh, what I saw is is a guy in Cody Garbrandt who who had quite me and you had questions going last week going into this fight about the weight cut and you know why you know why is he dropping weight and, you know how would that affect him? We see guys cut weight and it affects their performance and their ability to take a punch. You know, I mean, Cody already has that suspect chin at 135. Now he's going in at, you know, cutting out 10 extra pounds, being less hydrated, you know, less hydrated, et cetera. And, and he's in a weight class he's not used to. And I was wondering how could that affect him, you know, knowing his performance, but also his ability to, you know, take damage. And, and we saw, you know, Cody got dropped in. It was basically to get in the end of Cody of Cody Garbrandt and Kai Kai French, who's got some power, trains out city kickboxing, which is a great gym, especially when it comes to striking. Goes out, you know, he's at, go out there and take care of business and f- able to finish Cody Garbrandt. And I saw a guy streaking flyweight for Kai and Kai Fran, so against a guy in Cody Garbrandt who went down weight when he probably shouldn't have. And that's what I saw, but you brought up something interesting, Dan. You and I were talking before the show that that thought was a very good point of yours. Okay, during the fight, Kai Kata France landed a couple of shots on Cody Garbrandt and dropped them. Cody Garbrandt goes into some wrestling. They go into a clinch. They go against the cage. Uh, well, they don't go against the cage. He separates, right, and he's running along the cage trying to dodge some, uh, some shots from France. He does, and then right after that, he tells France to bring it. Right after France brings it, it's the end of the night for Cody Garbrandt. My thing is, what was the plan there? What did he see to tell Cody to come inside and throw more shots? Because it, you dismiss the wrestling. You use the wrestling as a tactic to get back up to the feet, and he got you clean on the feet. If I was Cody, man, it's early in the round. You guys aren't sweaty. Let's change it. Let's let's change it to wrestling. Let's change the flow of the fight. Let's muck it up a little. As much as you know, you said that this was you know a weight cut problem for Cody. This is I. I to me, man, this wasn't a, a good analysis of the situation that he was in at the moment. It wasn't a flash knockdown. He got you clean, and like we said, these guys in, in this in this division, they do that. The accuracy all throughout this division is... Uh, we named all the names already, but the, the all throughout the flyweight division and the accuracy is is top notch. And so when you do that, like it do, you, why would you not immediately mix the martial arts? That's the only question I would have. Right, and also they got speed too. Flyweight, that's another thing. Probably more speed than bantamweight. Bantamweight got fast guys also. 
and if you could use the wrestling and get out of the round, you've at least guaranteed that you've worn him down. Yeah. Now the speed drops a little, but it to me that just wasn't a, a great analysis of the situation in moment right there. Yeah, that's a good. Yeah, when you branch it, out, that's a good point. It's like Cody sins tends to have this problem where he gets hit and wants to, you know, trade one and give one type of vibe. He wants to, you know, go out there and, and bang, you know, and, and it, it cost him in the Pedro Munoz fight, if you remember. Yeah, but see, the worst part is this. Uh, this division only does that in the third round. They don't trade shot for shot in unless you know they're dead tired. And you've taken them there because you've mixed all the martial arts. Truthfully, like, remember the uh, the um, Moreno versus uh, Figueredo fight, the first one. Remember, it really, like, they showed a, a level of skill all throughout the fourth round. It only really took until the two minute of the fifth round for these guys to be dead tired and go, you know what? We're going to stand right here in the center and we're going to trade. Yeah, good point. And then we saw that Moreno made the adjustments. I'm going to mix the martial arts in the next fight. And then he secures the championship. Yep. That's good. What? Yeah, I was just, you know, that was my whole thought, you know, watching that fight. I, I, you know, like I said, I, I called it the way it was as far as, you know, I saw that accuracy come in from Kai Kata France. He's been a guy known to get those knockouts, city kickboxing. That's what those guys those that's what those guys do over there. And so it it, it was just I, I saw it coming. Yeah, you're right about that. And def yeah, you got you're right, basically you and now Kai Gar now Cody Garbrandt, you what you wonder, where does he go from here? Did you go Probably should go back to 135. Where's he going anywhere? Considering this is the f- I'm trying to remember Dillashaw twice, there's Pedro. The fourth fight, the fourth fight, it was the last six fights where he's been knocked out. Basically, two Dillashaw fights, the Pedro Munoz fight, now this one. And it's kind of crazy because we were mentioning Dominic Cruz earlier. You know, December, you know, five years ago. Yeah, it was five years ago. Not to the day. That was like December 31st, December 30th. I remember when Cody Garbrandt beat Dominic Cruz to win the Bantamweight title. It like the future was bright for Cody. Cody had a great performance against Dominic, and five years later, he's only won one fight since then. It's kind of shocking to think that that would, that would, after that performance that that would happen to Cody, and that Dominic Cruz will still will be will still keep on winning, win more fights, and still be more I guess relevant in the weight class. Than even Cody Garbrandt. I mean, it's something that when you look back, you go, it's pretty shocking that happened. It really is, but time is a funny story. And the way it unravels itself, you know, we're all just witnesses to it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good quote. Um, yeah, and and, spe- and for Kai Car France, he was calling for a title fight because there was reports that if Cody had been Kai, they were gonna give Cody a title fight you know, against the winner of Figueredo and Moreno three. And Kai's saying, if that's the case, then I deserve a title fight. Because I just knocked out him. That's his case. That's his case. I like like the, you know, I like the bravery. I like all that. Slow your roll. Pantoja is making a great case. 
Ask Askarov is right there. I forget one of them. One oh, Askar Askarov basically was was saying that he won the fight. Um, Kaikar friends. Exactly. He said that's your that's your route to contention right there. Agree. I I think Askarov and Kai number one contender fight, and you have Pantoja fight. Go ahead. Wait, you said Pantoja fight too. The winner of Moreno Figueredo, if nope. Askarov and Kai for. I wouldn't do that because mm-hmm. if I'm Moreno, I'm choosing the number two contender. If he beats if Figueredo. I win, if, I, if I beat Figueredo. If Figueredo wins, Figueredo, I'm I'm choosing the number two contender as well. Askarov? Um, Askarov or, or Kai Kata France, whoever wins that fight. I don't know. I think Pantoja has a case. I mean, I just Pantoja has a case, but he's still too fresh right now. I give him some ring rust. I let him sit out some time. Or if he does want to fight so bad, then you pick up a fight. The like, I'm not gonna lie. As much as you know, we want fighters to take the best fighters at you know this time or whatever. You also gotta play the game sometimes. You know what I'm saying? And I like, you know, Moreno, you know, he's he's playing the game well. He's not saying too much, but when he is talking, he's saying the right things. You know, he said, you know, Pantosha's really showed himself to, to be a contender. And one day I would like to have that fight because he has beaten me twice and I would like to get that victory. But, you know, for right now, there's certain business that has to be taken care of. I don't know. This, I'm... I mean, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I I do like the if you know the thing is Askarov wants to fight you know Kai and Kai is willing to fight it. I mean, I think you should book it, especially Askarov's call out. We basically mentioned. Remember the last time someone from your gym fought against someone from his from Dagestan? Reference to Hooker and Islam. I was like, ooh, I kind of want to see after that reference. That'd be very interesting. Uh, but yeah, I'm like I said, Brandon. Brandon Moreno, he has the belt, so he can play the he can play the games. I mean, to be fair, I'm only surprised if the Dirk Frigerell and Moreno fights another war. I don't, I'm not saying it's going to, but what surprised you was another one where they take a where both guys take a while to fight again. I mean, that's a possibility. Mm, yeah, but I think it'll be solved. I think we'll definitely know who the winner is by the third or fourth round. Huh. I mean, I get okay, yeah. Not we'll, to say, I, no, all right, man. We'll save that prediction for when the fight happens. Yeah, that's still a month away. We still got a little month yeah. away before that fight happens, and we'll break it down when that fight comes. By the way, good victory for Kai Carl France. Definitely insert himself in the title picture now with that performance. And we'll go from there to the third fight of the main card, which was a welterweight matchup between Jeff Neal and Santiago Ponzinibbio. And Santiago Ponzinibbio wins this fight. I mean, excuse me, Jeff Neal wins this fight. My apologies. Uh, split decision, 20, you know, 29-28 for Ponzinibbio, 30-27, and 29-28 for uh, Jeff Neal. Now, personally, I thought it was 29-28 Jeff Neal. I don't know how – I don't see how Ponzinibbio didn't win the second round. I think if I remember, I thought Ponzinibbio enough to win the second round. By the way, the right guy won to me. It was the right guy won. Jeff Neal, I thought, did enough, especially in the first and third round. To um, he landed cleaner shots and was able to 
you know, not get his much against Ponzinibbio. Ponzinibbio seemed like he was trying to make it more like a dirty fight, like a brawl, back and forth brawl. But Jeff didn't buy. Jeff didn't play the game, and that's what probably won the fight was getting hit, but not getting hit, getting out the way, not playing Ponzinibbio's um, game and find his style, and that's how he was able to get the, the victory. And this was a fight that seemed like some people in the crowd were kind of like, you know. They, you know, they were kind of like, you know, you know, a little restless, but but to be fair, they've seen, you know, two great knockouts. And also Josh Emmett and Dan Ige in the prelims was pretty, pretty great as well. Also, so, but, but yeah, I mean, either way, Jeff Neal, I feel like did enough to win this fight and, and break a two-fight losing streak. And what are your thoughts on this fight, um, Jeff Dan? This wasn't the best Jeff Neal. Nah, I wasn't. That's and that's why the crowd got restless. It like honestly watching the fight after when was it? I'd say three minutes into the first round, I got angry at Jeff Neal. If you saw the uh the uh, you know the you know the breaks in between rounds, his coaches got angry at Jeff Neal. Uh, yeah, that's true. They got angry at Jeff Neal. The crowd got angry at Jeff Neal because this fight could have been won for him easily on the silver platter, and he didn't need to lose that second round. To me, both of us, I think we, uh, I think we're both in agreement that Ponzinibbio won the second round. Yeah. Because Jeff Neal slowed down his, um, slowed down his, uh, his action, slowed down his um, activity, and that was something that I, I don't know why he did. And then even going into the third round, he started off slow, but as soon as he realized, hey, if I just pick up the rate of activity, I'm landing good shots. I can wobble him a little here and there. I don't have to finish him. I just have to keep landing the great shots. Like Jeff Neal is a great technical fighter. Excuse me. When Jeff Neal fights, the hands are high, elbows tucked in. He's firing straight. Like everything is tight. He lands where he wants. Like he's all in all a great fighter and he has great power even through the jab. So I didn't understand why he slowed down his activity rate. That was the one thing that kept, you know, bugging me. And his coach just kept screaming, yo, Jeff, you got to, they were cussing him out. I'm not going to, you know, repeat a lot of the words they were saying, but Jeff, you got to effing do more. You got to effing do more. You have this fight right here. One, two, one, two, one, two, you know, use your footwork, get in, get out of range. One, two, if this guy want to kick, catch it. Or if not, you block it, you move around, you throw some kicks back. He doesn't like it when you leg kick. Throw that leg kick a lot more, and then one, two, follow up. Hello? Looks like um, Chef Dan's screen is frozen um, here. So I apologies. Um, give, us, give us one moment. Um, uh, yeah, but his coaches, uh, Jeff Neal's coaches, to pick up what Dan was talk, uh, talking about, were getting frustrated with him. They were telling him do more, do more, but Jeff it seemed like wasn't. And Jeff Dan definitely has a good point when when um Jeff Neal could have done more, but didn't do more to uh, in that fight. And 
you know, he, you know, Jeff New is a very good fighter, very tech, technical, talented fighter, but for some odd reason, he just didn't fought his typical fight. You know, was too, I don't know if he respected Ponzinibbio too much, or maybe he did, he was afraid, or maybe you know, I know he got in legal trouble, you know, a couple weeks earlier. Maybe maybe that affected his training, possibly, possibly. I'm not saying it's the case, but I mean, yeah, I mean, Jeff New could have fought a better fight, didn't. But he got he did enough to win though, and that's what you know his coaches were getting mad at him for not finding a better fight, and that's a great point Dan man um, Dan mentioned. But nevertheless, he does enough to win, and Jeff Neal is still ranked number is ranked number twelve. Ponzinibbio is ranked fourteen. That was a big um you know two ranked welterweights. Both guys were able to get the victory. I mean, excuse me, not excuse me. I don't know what I'm saying. My bad. Um, both guys were ranked, and Jeff Neal got the victory. So Jeff Neal now gets the opportunity to um have um. You know, you know, other ranked fighters, bigger, bigger fights. I don't know why I said both guys had the won the victory. That's just stupid. My bad. I was trying to say both guys were ranked going to this fight and still ranked, but Jeff Neal got the victory. Now he gets the bigger fights. Now, the more I think about it, I mean, I'm trying to think who should Jeff Neal fight next. I mean, maybe Hamza Jemayev. I mean, why not? Although I think Hamza maybe should fight you know Magni in my opinion, but. That's just me. Well, I mean, I don't know why they haven't made that fight yet. Maybe you do Hamza and ne- ne- um, not Neil, but you know Jeff Neil possibly, or maybe maybe you can have Jeff Neil fight um, the loser of um, the Comey event of this upcoming um, card. Hang on, give me one moment. Um, uh, Chef Dan, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. I'm sorry, I I, I lost connection real quick. No, that's okay. Um, um, continue where you're le- leaving off with Jeff Neal. Uh, yeah, it's just uh, Jeff Neal needed more activity to convincingly win this fight. If he did that, then he would have, uh, you know, it wouldn't have been a split decision. But that was what would that was what was needed of Jeff Neal. As far as Ponzinibbio, I know he tried to do uh tried to make it a dirty fight with uh, Jeff Neal, but I think he went about it the wrong way. Uh. I felt maybe if he just, you know, started off with um, some technique, started off, you know, being as clean as Jeff Neal, you want to step in and find your range. From there, you do some clinching and throwing some kicks and going up against the cage. You try and truly make it a dirty fight in that way. But he tried to make it a dirty fight in space. It really doesn't happen with technical fighters like that. Gotcha. Okay. Um. Right, and before we move on from this fight, I was just mentioning, you know, fights for Jeff Neal, possibly, you know, where's he go from here? Who's he fight next? Maybe, maybe, I was thinking maybe he can fight the loser of the Comey event between um, Wonder Boy and um, Bilal Muhammad. That's a potential next fight for Jeff Neal. I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah, he definitely needs, he needs some time to heal and he needs some time to clean up in a training camp and that would be a great fight for him. I really like that. I'm not, you know, kind of itching to see Jeff Neal back in the ring right now. He just, he needs to kind of, I think he needs to focus in on himself. Yeah. Yep, definitely. And, um, yeah, maybe do that. And who knows? Maybe Jeff Neal is talented, like you mentioned. And we've seen that better performances. Have You know, and we should see, you know, hopefully it's just a one-off. That was just a one-time thing, and maybe he doesn't do that again, and performance fights better, but we shall see. 
Now we go from that fight to one, uh, you know, two the two big stories of the weekend. Obviously, was the main event and what happened here, ladies and gentlemen. We saw history. We witnessed history. This was one of the all-time great upsets in not just UFC history but MMA history. Now, where's the rank? I mean, who knows? I mean, that's the we can talk about that maybe later. But, ladies and gentlemen, Julia Pena defeats Amanda Nunes via rear naked choke in the second round to become the new UFC bantamweight women's bantamweight champion. This was shocking. It just was shocking to see. You know, first of all, she survived Amanda on top of her because I think Amanda knocked her down or. If I'm mistaken, the first round or no, I only was knocked down. I'm trying. I'm forgetting how Amanda got on top of her top position, but I think she, Juliana shot and the shot failed, and they went into they rolled, and uh, Amanda ended up on top. But then she tried to you know get out of uh, side control and things of that nature. Right, because remember they were wrestling. I, I remember now they were wrestling in you know side and. They were wrestling. Uh, I remember Amanda a lot of the time was fighting for side control in that first round. Right, right. And, you know, usually when Amanda's on top of you, she usually goes for, like, you know, finish, where it be ground and pound or submission, you know, things like that. But she wasn't doing that as much as she typically would do. And Valent- I mean, actually, Juliana was able to survive that and get the fight up to the feet. And in the second round, she was connecting her striking wasn't it wasn't great like she's not like a Valentina Shashenko type of striker where she's elite or Holly Holm but her strikes were landing I mean her jab I mean I found she kept landing straights and Amanda and Amanda seemed a little tired too that was another thing that was surprising now usually Amanda recently has worked on her conditioning and cardio and she hasn't had those problems but she was having it here, and 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 you know she was able, you know she was tired, and also her whichever Amanda went for a strike, she was trying to knock Juliana out. Seemed like she was trying to go knockout blows, and kept some of them she kept missing, which only made her tiring more. And then when Juliana was able to get in position to put on the rear naked choke, Amanda, you know, it was easy, much easier for um, Juliana to do that. Because you know, and once she got on, Mandy had no choice but to tap. Now, some say it was a quick tap, but it's like, yeah, but Juliana had you know, a, um, she had the rear naked choke on. I mean, it only Amanda was gonna fight out of it at that point, especially how tired she was. And she really had no choice but to tap out to me. And it was like I said, it's just I still can't believe it happened because last week I was saying, until I see Amanda lose, I'm not gonna pick against her. That was my mentality. And I saw it. It's just one of those things that you remember. It's kind of like when Rousey lost to Holly Holm. You remember where you were when you when that happened, or you know when Conor lost to Nate Diaz. You know you knew you you know you remember where you were when it happened, or any upset. Like if you're oh you know I, I didn't watch this live. I mean, but if you were watching MMA in 2007, Matt Sarah beat George St. Pierre. You remember where you were when when that happened. This isn't one of those fights that you're that. We're gonna be talking about for a long time, a long time from now. We're still gonna be talking about this moment, and it's congratulations to Julia Pena for pulling the upset, proving a lot of people wrong. And I feel bad for that dude who bet three three hundred thousand dollars on Amanda, 
That dude, man. Go ahead, Dan. I was hurt this fight. I was. But then I started remembering that I I had certain doubts about Amanda before this fight. And it wasn't just about this fight. It was just really the comfortability that Valentina Shevchenko had in calling her out. Like she felt, hey, I could get this easy. And I was like, you know, like not easy, but she was like, you know, I need that to run back. I need that. That's the only, you know, blemish on my record. And I feel like I could get this one. I really, really. And she had a confidence that was, you know, really oozing. And I'm like, why? And it's not. Okay. Let me get to the fight. Let me start off with the rear naked choke. I know you said she had no choice to tap. And I agree with you a little bit, right? Right. It's just that Juliana didn't secure the choke. I got to see I, I got to watch the choke again cuz some people have said that. You, you got to watch it again because this is the thing. Her arm is right here. She has the arm under the neck, but she doesn't connect it. Like they typically do a naked choke like this. Yeah, me, it's in or demonstrating for audio listeners. If you're watching, like you know, when you have one arm, you know, uh, with you know your elbow up, kind of in a right uh, right angle, you have the other arm over the bicep, you know, kind of just where this arm the damn what are you? What am I talking about right here? What's the part? What's this part right here? Forearm. Your forearm essentially is under the chin on the neck and you're applying pressure. The arm on the, you know, other arm, when you connect it there, that's the, you know, finishing of the pressure, especially when you have Amanda curled up in the fetal position. If you really look at it like the dangerous part, like. How do I say it? Most rear naked chokes really don't occur unless the person is somewhat flattened out. It's rare that it happens where the person is curled up like that. Usually when the person is on top and they're trying to apply the rear naked choke, the best position they want is them flattened out. Right, that's true. So with Amanda curled up the way she is, she... I'm watching it and I'm like, she kind of never really got it secured. So that's where the bad optics are is occurring for Amanda. Now, as much as you know the the, the choke wasn't secured, Amanda wasn't gonna fight her way out of this. No, she wasn't. This was a losing fight all the way through. And for some odd reason, like, it didn't start off as a losing fight. 
I don't know where, like, I don't know why Amanda started, like, loading up on all her shots for no reason. She was just loading up on everything. I don't know. Like, it's just, it was a bad habit. And really, I just remember the latest Amanda fights, especially if you, you remember the Megan Anderson fight? Uh, Yes, I do. Yeah, I do remember that. Like, how much loading up did she really do? How was that much? It was none. Everything was clean. It was like clean straight. No loading up. Only when she caught Megan in it, like when Megan was really wobbled on her feet, that was when she loaded up for the overhand right. But after that, it was no loading up. So I don't know why she decided midway through the first round to load up on every shot. And then her coaches are telling her, what are you doing? Why are you loading up on every shot? Get back to fundamentals. Get back to basics. Straight one, two. And she gets out in the second round and continues loading up. This was, this wasn't a, like, you know, she took damage from Juliana through the jabs that Juliana was throwing, but the jabs weren't pretty from Juliana. No, they were not. They weren't. It was something where, like, if you, if you had your hands up and you had good enough footwork, you could have blocked these, dodged these, and then returned something right back. And Amanda has a skill set to do that. This is one where, like, you just—I don't understand why she just loaded up on everything that she did. But my gosh, this—this this was a bad fight from Amanda. Yeah, it was. I mean, she fought. She didn't fight that well. It makes you. It makes you. I mean, I wonder, like, how was training bad for her? Like, I don't know what happened. Like, did she not get good training camp going into this fight? Was she not motivated? Because, or I mean, who knows? Like, what what went wrong? I mean. And I mean, it makes it makes you wonder, like, what happened? Like, some are saying potentially her being a mom now, but my thing is, Juliana is also a mom. Now I know Amanda's child was more recent, but she didn't have to carry the kid either, like Juliana does. Did when she was? It's it's kind of like you know, it's there's a lot of questions. Like, I leave us wondering, Amanda, like, what went wrong? What happened? I'll tell you like this. As bad as this fight was, and you know, and, you know, the rematch is coming. And yeah. what would, how do you feel the rematch is gonna go? Um, I think Amanda probably should win the rematch, possibly, unless you know, I think she, sh- to me, I think she should win the re- rematch. But could Juliana beat her? Yeah, possibly she could. Juliana I mean, could. Yeah, we we clearly seen that she has the ability to beat her, so she can always beat her a second time. But I feel like Amanda should win the rematch. But then, here's my thing. This loss was coming. And if it wasn't coming to Juliana Pena, you know who was going give it, to give it to her? Shashenko they fought? Nope. Who? Who do you know uh, uh, presents oh, oh, this oh. type of ground and pound, this type of ground heavy and strike you and in your face and really tire you out type of style in her division? 
will soon oh, to be in her division. Oh, um, well, if she signs over from PF, PFL, Kayla Harrison. Yeah, 145, yeah. She was, was going to lose to Kayla Harrison. Yeah, I mean, I think so. I think personally the way She's, the way Batman, this fight went. Yeah. Go ahead. I would say, I know they're teammates and all, but they're, but they're not against the idea of fighting each other. I know Kayla's not against the idea of fighting her, despite being teammates with her. She's not against it. And you're right, this Amanda showed up. Kayla was definitely going to beat her. That Amanda showed up against Kayla. And if that Amanda showed up against Kayla, it wasn't going to happen in – well, it would have been worse in the first round. Yeah. It would have been worse in the first round because Amanda would have came out that first round bloodied up. Kayla Harrison is very aggressive. Yeah, like true. Juliana Pena was hesitant, but then the second round, that's when she turned it on. Right. I, I just I this was just a overall bad fight for for Amanda Nunes. And then the worst optics of it all was after you you know you showed an undisciplined fighting style, the unusual, you know, unbecoming of yourself, you then, you know, kind of like I don't know. You kind of have to watch it again, Austin. The the choke wasn't secured to me. I saw all the you know different angles. The choke wasn't secured. You're not the only guy I've heard say that. I've heard other people mention that as well. Yeah, man. I think like Juliana broke her. If she broke her, I mean, if if she did, I mean, I mean, hope that could be a bad thing for Amanda career wise down the road. You know, if she got broken. Now, Grant, I don't think she's Ronda Rousey. Where Ronda Ron lost to Holly, it was just no, 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 no. I, I know what you mean. In, okay. Yeah, but I, I broke her will. Oh, will okay, her will okay. Broke her will, and so now we have a new, uh, new bantamweight champion for the women. Uh, new uh, champion for the women's bantamweight division, and congratulations to Juliana Pena. Yeah, definitely. I mean. Her teammate, former and the former women's bandweight champion, who who Amanda took from the title from Misha Tate was there, and Michael Chiesa, her teammate, was there, who was drunk and just you seen the footage of him running around, jumping the guard, and like apparently Dana White told a story how he freaking injured his eye, I guess, when he was trying to like jump in the cage and just yeah, I mean, it's it's like he was happy, but still Chiesa being Chiesa, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I like my Kiesa, but he was he was just happy, you know, being a support good teammate. Yeah. But drunk. Yeah, you know, gotta be careful when you drink. But yeah, um, with that being said, I mean let's go on let's go to the main event. The, and the other big story of this card was obviously the main event, which was Charles Oliveira defending his lightweight title against Justin Poirier, and he wins the fight via dirt round submission, Renica choking in the dirt round. And this fight was entertaining. The first round was really entertaining. They went back and forth. I mean, the pace. I mean, Oliver got dropped, but 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 Dustin didn't really, you know, go, go for ground and pound, which I think, you know, Oliver's submission game play a part in that, and it play a part in his fight, obviously. And then the second round, uh, you know, uh, well, first of all, Oliver was able to get up and survive the the um, first round. Even after he got up, he still got hit with some shots from Poirier. 
And but like I said, Poirier won the round, but Olvera survived. And Olvera, once he was able to get the takedown the second round, it was basically he he kind of controlled Poirier. Like Poirier kind of like in a lot of ways didn't like really like go all out in terms of trying to get up from the bomb position, but same time Olvera was doing like you know was doing some work on top. He threw some elbows. He was like, guess like making it uncomfortable for Poirier by putting his hand over Poirier's like face. Like if you noticed that during the fight to like make it harder for him to breathe, et cetera. And like basically do every can to make, you know, maybe some ground and pound or just, just making Dustin have a, a bad time there to really like just make, make it rough for him. And then the dirt and then the dirt round, one, all of Eric got on top, you know, was able to get a, a body lock. Like uh, as I like to call that position, the human backpack, kind of like a damn Maya like, was a nickname was that, where he used to get like, a body like lock on you, you'd be standing, but yet he's still being positioned for a rear naked choke. Um, you, you know what I mean, right? Yeah. And like Walvera, who also is a great jiu-jitsu guy, just like damn Maya. Once he got in that position, you knew that that unless Poirier did something big, he was in trouble. And one and Olivera, who has the all time, he's the all time submission leader. Once he got in position for Rick to choke, it was you knew it was maritime, it was over for Poirier. Poirier had no really couldn't get out of it and he had to tap out. And this was a really impressive victory for Charles Oliveira. I mean, he faced adversity, he got dropped, he survived some of Dustin's best shots. I mean, Dustin Poirier, we know he's got power to finish anybody. I mean, he throws hard. I mean, he can finish dudes. I mean, ask Conor McGregor, ask Justin Gaethje, A. Alvarez, etc. We've seen him. Put, you know, finish guys with some of the shots he landed on Oliveira, but Oliveira has, you know, was able to eat someone, eat a lot of them, and be able to survive. And also, one thing Oliveira did that I forgot to mention in that first round, he drew a lot of body shots to Poirier. If you notice in that first round, drew a lot of knees to Poirier's gut. Like, at least from like the first round all the way to like the takedown, he landed at least 11 body shots that I recall in Poirier. That I thought, man, this fight continues on. This can really hurt Poirier because they're on the body shots. He kept landing on Dustin. Oliveira did. But near, near to say, um, Oliveira, the fight didn't go past the dirt round, for one minute mark in the dirt round. And Charles Oliveira is able to defend his lightweight title and has won 10 in a row. It's crazy to think about Oliveira's UFC journey. This guy was 10 and 8 in his first 18 UFC fights. And now he's won 10 in a row and he's. The undisputed 155 title and, and beat what a lot of people call the best lightweight in the world, Dustin Poirier. And if, I, if that's the case, then Charles Rivera is the undisputed best lightweight in the world in all of MMA. Shout out to him. And what are your thoughts on this fight, Chef Dan? Congratulations to Charles Oliveira on a great victory that Saturday night. It was truly a wonderful display of skill in the striking and the ground game that he displayed, all the uh, knees that he gave to Dustin Poirier, everything that he displayed, the will, fighting through the knockdowns and everything, he's shown that that he will consistently be back in there. So it's a you know he's a great fighter and truly deserving of the champion uh, of the championship, and he is currently the best lightweight in the world. Let me get to the second round. I'm sorry. I got to get to that second round. Go ahead. What in the hell was Dustin Poirier thinking for that second round? What made you think that you could give up a second round in a championship fight? Why would you do that? And I know you said uh, as soon as uh, uh, 
Oliveira got on top. He kind of was just landing everything. It didn't start off that way. It, didn't, it started off. It started off with Dustin on top of Poirier. Uh, or, I mean, it started off with Dustin on top of Oliveira. Oliveira is trying to fight out of it, right? And then uh, uh, Dustin finds himself fighting out of an armbar. At that point, Oliveira is grabbing Dustin's glove. Why is Dustin not calling for the referee to tell him to get up, to get the glove off, right? You know, get rid of the glove, get rid of holding the glove. Because at that point, once he breaks the hold, I'm separating. Let's get back up to our feet. No, you don't do that. You try and find some awkward way, and then you you roll yourself into bottom and then submit bottom. That's what happened. He submit bottom and then didn't fight out to get out of it. And he 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 submitted bottom and how much time was left in that second round? I believe it, he he submitted bottom at that at the two minute mark. It was at least two minutes, at least. A, at least two minutes. I wanted to be generous and say two minutes, if not the two minutes and 30 seconds. I don't, I can't recall where, when they got it in the It has to be between, between two minutes and 30 seconds and two minutes, roughly around there. So you've given him at, at minimum close to half the round with you on top, not fighting out of it. Yeah, you put yourself bottom. in a bad position. That was bad. That, that was bad fighters IQ right there. Uh, can I say something? I think Poirier mentioned how he remembers in the, the when he fought Habib that one of the problems he felt like that he was. I think I think what it was he was. Well, I don't want to butcher what he was saying, but um, the reason why he was like that because he didn't want to you know give up position and then get. I dang what what was the I don't remember the quote now. Like why he did what he did. It happens. It involved the Habib fight where he was too busy, like trying to like do fight off. That he got tired, and which allowed him in bad position. Something like that. He didn't want to repeat that again. He said something like that. I remember after the fight. I I don't remember the full quote. But all right. See, here's the worst part about it, though, is that you chose for some odd reason he didn't see the happy medium in it. Where, like, you can either aggressively try and get out of position or lay there and give up the position, right? Right. But there's a happy medium where you just kind of, you're slowly taking your time. You're edging yourself right to your corner. You want to get to your corner close to the cage. From there, you're listening to your corner because your coaches have an outside view of what you want to do. No, 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 no. Here's how I want you fighting out of it. No, no, no. Here's how I want you fighting out of it. He didn't do any of that. That's where, like, it, it was like, why? Why did you give up that second round? Right. Yeah, I mean, that, right, yeah, I mean, it seems like you know, that really cost him that, you know, it hurt him because he was a lot of Olivera too. Even if Olivera doesn't finish in the third round, that, him, you know, at this point, it's a decision that could have been him, him in the butt, basically. That decision, the second round, especially if it was a like, close round, a close like, fight. Excuse I'm, me. I, I I don't know if fighters when they rewatch their fights if they get commentary, but when you have Daniel Cormier and Michael Bisping and Joe Rogan, all these guys, like when you have credited wrestlers tell you, "Hey, 
that body triangle with the foot when, when you're on bottom, it does absolutely nothing. Get your feet on the guy's hips. Because when Oliveira got content to rain elbows, that was at that point because uh, because Poirier is deciding to lock in with his feet in a body triangle from bottom. No. When he wants to gain enough space, to, when he feels comfortable to lift himself up with the, to rain down the elbow, that's when your feet are supposed to be on his hip. You kick out. You generate space. From there, you can get up. We've seen plenty of fighters do this. My issue was why was he so content? At the very least, give some type of effort to fight out, but he just gave up the round. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's a good point. And you're right about the body triangle thing. And when you're on bottom, guys will do body triangle, and how basically it does it doesn't do anything unless you're like Oliveira or Damian Maya. Guys get off their back. It really doesn't do anything for you. Like it's kind of like you're right about how. Those guys you mentioned, you will mention how that's not you know exactly a good position to get off to to get offense or get the guy off you. I mean, I remember Big John McCartney talking about this with with um Douglas Lima when he fought when he lost his tile in Bellator to Ansaroff. How he did, he did the similar thing by trying to go you know on the bottom, doing nothing, not trying to escape, and how frustrating it was to see him do it. And now you see you know you mentioned now uh, Poirier how he did it in the second round against Oliveira. Not trying to put his feet on the hips to push, to try to get escape, to give him some room to escape. Just, just feet, you know, body triangle with feet on the bottom and how it just does nothing. It does it's not winning position. It does nothing. You're just holding the guy. It doesn't. It not, nothing happens. It just it doesn't. It's really, it's really point. It's almost pointless unless the guy is throwing a ton of elbows and you just want to hold him just so he can catch a breath and not get finished. But other than that, what it really doesn't do anything. Especially after the great first round you had, I know you ate a couple of body shots, but you got the guy down, you wobbled him, things of that nature. Your fight was in the stand-up game. Get back to the stand-up game. Because I know Oliveira's throwing all them knees, but like to really lift the knee up to the body and things of that nature, he was clinching Dustin a lot. At some point, with all that length that he that Charles Oliveira provides, if he goes for the clinch while tired at the wrong time, you know, going for it, you know, you, you know, while he's tired and he has the he's creating some length while going for the clinch, that kind of gives Dustin, you know, a, a lane. You kind of give him a one-way lane to say, uppercut me right here. Just come up the middle with the uppercut right there. Cause you know my head is gonna be down, my you know, my chin is gonna be tucked in, and I'm gonna try and go for the knee because I'm doing that. Either that or I'm trying to pull you down or go into some uh, you know, go go into some uh submission. At that point, just you're asking for the uppercut. And so I don't know why he submitted that second round. That was just frust frustrating to me. Right. And and either way, um, congratulations to Oliveira in the big victory. And and you're very strong, you know, doing doing some, you know, you know, submitting Dustin Poirier again, another submission victory, fifth as his fifteenth, if I'm mistaken, submission victory of his career, or isn't? Yeah, or UFC at least. I don't know about career, but that might be his fifteenth one. Which I know he has a record for. Um, I know he, he has the record. I think he just add on to it. Either way, um. Either way, um, congratulations, Oliveira, and looks like him and Gaethje are next. 
down the road. I mean, that that should be a fun fight, although I personally don't see Gaethje being all there. I'm just going to be honest with you. Even before this fight, I didn't really think he was going to be Gaethje, but now I really – I mean, me, I didn't think Gaethje was going to be him. Excuse me. But even now, I don't really think – I mean, not that Gaethje – Gaethje has a shot. I mean, he's got power, but so is Poirier. Poirier can hit just as hard as Gaethje. But – I mean, but obviously Gaethje is different far from Dustin. They have different different style. I mean, like, but Gaethje's weakness, as we know, is his grappling. In in Oliveira is probably the best, is you know elite grappler himself. That's just me speaking. I don't want to talk too much because that fight hasn't been made yet. But you don't. I mean, plus, like I say, anything can happen in MMA. But that's just how I feel about the fight. You may disagree with me. You may agree. I mean, who knows? I mean, what what are your thoughts on potential Gaethje Oliveira fight? Quickly, um, quickly, it ra- grappling wise, it doesn't bode well for Gaethje. But the thing you got to remember, man, is he he has this ability, man. Like some, especially with the length that Oliveira provides, Gaethje has this ability with those leg kicks and the combination he throws to make the fight go his way at some point. And if he has that ability, he can control the fight. I think he can, you know, provide enough, you know, to to possibly win that fight. It's not, I, I think, I, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that Oliveira just dominates this fight. I think Gaethje has a chance of winning the title. Okay. Yeah. And, um, and Dustin Poirier's talked, I think he's talked about going up to welterweight potentially that he seems like he. He doesn't feel. I guess he doesn't want to make the 155 weight cut anymore, which kind of makes sense because I saw Dustin Poirier in person two and a half years ago at a UFC event in South in uh, Miami. They was then and he was and my brother took a picture of him and I saw him and I didn't. This is this was after he beat Holloway in the second time for the interim lightweight title and I couldn't believe that was Dustin Poirier. Want to tell you how big he was? I mean, oh my gosh, I I was shocked. I first when I first saw him like who is who does Dustin Poirier look like at first? Like, I can't even believe it was him. <laughs> then someone explains, like, no, that's Dustin Poirier. I'm like, what? This guy makes 155? They, I'm telling you, if you saw him in person, you wouldn't believe it yourself. I'm like, what in nah, the I, I'm not even going to lie. He looks he looks like he would be a bit more comfortable with the power that he provides to go into the welterweight division. Yeah, yeah, the power he has and that measure that weight cut, I think he might be better off being a welterweight now. I mean, he's only thirty-two. Right. To be fair, he's thirty-two. He's not super old. He's still young, but still, he's still I know. very young. And the and the age of the athlete has been extended due to science and you know the way fighters take care of themselves, the amount of fights that they do take. You know, some guys are learning how to extend their uh, career, uh, not only in the um, in the octagon, but also during uh, training camp. You see, with the guy in Max Holloway, he says he doesn't spar anymore because you know. All the scar tissue he has already, but then all the fights he's had at this point, you kind of just focus on the techniques that you need to focus on and everything else, you know, the fundamentals and everything. If you're doing that every day, if you, you know, if you're coming in every day training already on everything else, when it comes to a certain fight, you kind of, you know, just train on the skill sets you you feel that you need to to get this fight done. That's true, right. That's true, and... I think Dustin can do well in welterweight. Personally, I think he's. I think he can. He can. He, he can hold his own against some of these guys and probably beat some of them. And some of them might give him problems, like a you know, 
Usman, Covington, and Hamza, because they're grappling, wrestling more so, which seems like he tends to have problems against those guys. But, nevertheless, um, either way, I mean, Dustin Welchway seems like an interest. That would be an interesting um, thing to see him to be a contender at Welchway. Sometimes guys do better when they go up in weight. I mean, we've seen it before with Rumble Johnson and Robert Whitaker, etc. When guys go up in weight, they sometimes they tend to do better. We shall see. We shall see. Dustin does commit to 170. We're, it's all here. It's either way. Um, great main event. Um, great main card. Um, also, I do want to touch briefly on the prelims before we break down this upcoming UFC event. Uh, uh, event. And the main event, of the prelims was Josh Emmett versus Dan Ige. Uh, Josh Emmett wins this fight. I believe 29-28, and two judges scored cards in 30-27-1. And this was a fun fight. I mean, I expected it to be fun considering the two guys who like to stri- strike and, you know, who, are, who have power and both guys had their moments. And, oh, excuse me. My apologies. Um, But Duff, but um, Josh Emmett was able to land the bigger shots in this throughout the whole fight and dictate this fight and surprise me with the victory with Dan Ige because I thought Dan Ige was going to beat him, per- just me personally, just because of the layoff and the fact that, I thought Ige was a little bit faster than him. I, you know, I, th- I thought going into this fight, but Josh Emmett, every time you count him out, he always comes through. He usually reminds people that he's still a player in his division. And whether it be the Michael Johnson fight when he was losing, or it be um, after the, the injury with um, Steve, we had with Stevens, he came back and still was a contender. I mean, shout out to Josh Emmett. Uh, what are your thoughts on this fight, Dan? I, I didn't get to catch the prelims. Oh, okay. Yeah, too. Yeah, I had just come in from work, and at, at that time, I had missed that. So, yeah, it was a good. It was a very good fight. Very I both know. guys. Both guys had their moments in this fight. Ige, I thought, definitely thought Ige had had his moments as well. Both guys landed some big shots, but yeah, Josh Emmett was able to do more and get the victory. Now, Pedro Munoz and Dominic Cruz. This fight was a fun. This was a great fight as well. I mean. Dominic Cruz was doing well in the first round, but Pedro dropped him after Dominic was, I think, shifted to, I think he shifted to like the, his right or left, and like Pedro caught him and was able to drop him. But Cruz was able to survive, and, and you know, Pedro won that first round, clearly with the knockdown and with some, you know, some of the punches in land. But, uh, but the second, third round were all Dominic Cruz. It seemed like Dominic Cruz tended to figure out what Pedro was going to do, was able to basically get out of the way and avoid the big shots and win some shots of his own. He even cut Pedro Munoz in in the second round. He had like a cut hairline, I think a hairline fracture. That thing was just called or cut based in the hairline where Pedro was bleeding, which was kind of surprising for me because I don't you typically don't see Diamond Cruz cup his opponents very often. And the fact that he did that to Pedro Munoz was kind of like, oh, oh damn. I mean, but Cruz was able to get a good, it was a somewhat vintage Cruz victory where you know Cruz was a little bit more somewhat aggressive in his fights. You know, Cruz was still being Diamond Cruz, you know, moving, doing this weird movement only he does, getting out the way, but laying shots at awkward angles. You know, Diamond Cruz stuff. You see Diamond Cruz, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And I was happy. I was happy seeing one of my favorite fighters still win, still winning, still driving in the bandwidth in his weight class. That you know, I was happy to see that. But, but yeah, also on this fight was Augusto Sakai versus Ty Bam Bam Tuivasa. And t- Bam 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 tied to also got the second round knockout over Augusto Sakai. It, it was a very a very like vicious knockout. I mean, I mean the way Augusto landed, like, oof, he really knocked out. Um, he really got knocked out by, by Ty. I mean, 
Ty was seemed like it seemed like Ty was um despite at times Gusto, you know, get, getting into the clinch, Ty was laying the bare shots and you knew that if Ty, you know Gusto has power, but Ty has, you know, just as good power that if Ty was able to get one shot that could rock Gusto, it could change the whole fight. And it happened in the second round. He landed a couple other shots and then just he landed, I believe, a right hook or a straight right that dropped Gusto and was able to get the victory. And the whole crowd was going nuts for Ty to Ivasa. I mean, he was beloved by that crowd in Vegas. I mean, everybody, which I don't blame him. Ty seems like a fun-loving guy. I mean, he's the type of guy you want to hang out with and go to a party or go out and just um, go to a bar with it, et cetera, and things like that. And hang on, before we um, go past that, I do want to show you something real quick, Dan. In the corner. Oh, big left check left hook. Sorry about that. The video was acting slow. I was trying to show Dan the um, shoe he did. He did his, his patented shoe as he's become synonymous with. And he's and the whole people in the crowd were doing it. Like, it wasn't just one or two people. Multiple people were doing the, the freaking shoey. Yeah. I, I remember after some guy like caught the camera attention, basically, so the guy like all, you know, basically he just did it in front of the the, the, the the camera and the and like the broadcast just caught him doing the entire shoey. Multiple people were doing it. It was just, I mean, it's disgusting. I hate the shoey personally, but hey, bro, if you keep your shoes and your socks clean enough, you trust it. Yeah, I mean that's just like I said. Is anybody from Australia is watching us? Can I explain why people do this shoey? Words of what's all about? Can you please write us. Explain to us. I don't know. You gotta see. You gotta see a uh, a uh, uh, beer fest. Das Boot. Das Boot is that? That sounds German. It's actually Das Boot. You gotta see. You gotta see beer fest. Okay. It's um, a funny movie. You gotta see it. Okay. Um. Also on this card, I do want to shout out um Aaron Blanchard who got a, a pretty impressive victory over Miranda Maverick in the prelims, and she dominated Miranda Maverick like. When we dominate, I mean dominate her. Like it was shocking because Mary Maverick is a really talented flyway. I mean, we both agree that she did not lose her last fight to Macy Barber. I was bad from judging on that card. I mean, yeah, not fight, but but and Miranda, we all thought it was a girl who could be a, a title contender, and yet Aaron Blanchard just controlled her and dominated her from beginning to end. It was like she just took her down at will and did whatever basically what she wanted on the ground. She was able to move positions, you know, do some ground and pound, not too much, but she was controlling her. And one thing I didn't understand was her Aaron Blanchard's corner was telling her that she's grappling too much, which to me is like, yeah, but she's dominating um, Random Raverick. Why would you say that? Like, she's 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 doing what she wants. Like, she's winning this fight by grappling. Like, why? She's and she's went like Miranda can't do anything with her on the bottom of her. Like, why would you tell her that you're grappling too much when you're getting an easy victory? That I thought I found that bizarre, but but maybe I don't know. But maybe maybe coaches were worried, maybe maybe they want her to go for the finish or something. By the way, Aaron Blanchard, shout out to her from New Jersey, gets a big victory against Miranda Maverick, definitely put herself in potential this is a woman to watch out for in that women's flyweight division. And I'm trying to, see, and even though she's not ranked yet, but 
she's close to being ranked. Aaron Blanchard, definitely a woman to watch out for. Most and, definitely. Yeah, give a shout out to her. And also give shouts, give a shout to um is there anything else in this card I wanna of note? I'm trying to remember. Oh, shoot, let me I don't need it. No, that's it. I mean Jillian, I hang on, I'm trying to pull up um is there anything else that happened in this card that of note to mention? I'm trying to remember who was it Eric Anders for? I know you lost by arm, but I'm just trying to remember who who you lost to. Eric Anders. I know you lost. Andre Munez. Andre Munez, yes. Andre Munez by armbar. Andre Munez, I mean, he he looked like he looks like a guy to watch out for in that in the um UFC's uh, middleweight division. I believe he's ranked. Yes, he with that victory, Andre Munez got ranked number 13 with that victory over um Eric Anders. And Munez, I mean, he looked very well. He looked like the much better fighter of the two by far. Not that I mean it was and Munez also is the same guy that broke Jacare's arm earlier day early in the year in Houston, if you remember. So yeah. he's got two back to back um arm bars victories. And and he's and he's been and I believe he's on a eight fight win streak now with that victory. So Andre Munez, keep your eye out for him in the middleweight division. He's definitely could be a force in that division. And yeah, that's the other guy if I want to sh- shout out before we move on to um this weekend's card. With that being said, UFC 269 in the books, fantastic card. Contender for paper of the year. We'll talk more about that maybe down the road in terms of what was card of the year and things like that, etc. But we'll, we'll see. We'll, well, I'm not, it's a contender. I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying something that you might want to throw out there. Daniel, you don't agree with me? I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying it's something that to consider. We can... We can have the discussion another time. Okay, yeah, we'll do that another time. Let's let's talk about this weekend, the UFC um, final UFC event of the year, UFC Vegas forty five, Derek Lewis versus Chris Dawkins, and this this is a pretty good card top to bottom. I really like this card. It really ended the year strongly, especially coming off a of pay per view. And Let's start off the main event. Chris Dawkins versus Derek Lewis in the heavyweight division. Derek Lewis is ranked number three. Dawkins number seven. Chris Dawkins coming off victory over Shamil um, Abdurmo. Shamil Ab- can I always have a hard time pronouncing his name. Shamil Ab- I always have a hard time pronouncing this guy's name. Give me one moment. I'm thinking of now. Nah, I want to think of Derek Lewis now when he fought and he mentioned he butchered his name. It was. Shamil Abdurakamov. Abdurakamov. Abdurakamov, okay. He's come off a knockout victory over Shamil Abdurakamov back in UFC 266 in late September. Mm -hmm. And Chris Dawkins, of his his 12 victories, he's got 11 KOTKOs. So he's got a lot of power in his hands, which you expect from a heavyweight. But he really... But he's, he's shown in his last two fights that he cannot finish guys by um, with his power. Well, not his last two fights, but I know his last two fights were won by um, TKO, KO. And Derek Lewis, you want to talk about a guy with knockout power, that's Derek freaking Lewis. I mean, this guy's got 20 knockouts and TKOs with 25 fights. We, I mean, if you know anything about Derek Lewis, he's got – he touches you, you're getting dropped. I mean, he's got that type of power. And – 
he's probably one of the most powerful guys in that division behind, you know, Francis Ngannou, obviously. And he's come off a, a, a loss to Zero Gone back in UFC 265 in his hometown of Houston, Texas. And so this is a big top 10 um, heavyweight matchup where two guys are trying to keep themselves. Well, one guy is trying to get in the title picture and Chris Dawkins. The other guy, Derek Lewis, is trying to stay in the title picture. And this 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 has a chance to be a barn burner, me, I think, personally. I mean, what are your thoughts on this fight, Chef Dan? This is a complete toss-up to me. I don't have a favorite in this fight. Anyone could get knocked out at any moment. Yeah, it's true. I mean, that's a good point. T actually, I just realized Chris Dawkins before um, the Shamil fight, uh, his last three victories were all first round KO and TKOs, which is kind of really impressive when you think about. It. So he's got power. So. Derrick Lewis definitely has to, you know, respect his power. But if you're yeah. Chris you also have to do the same thing, too. Yeah, like, this is what I'm saying. This is a – who's your favorite in this fight? <sighs> wow. I know Chris Dawkins – Because even when – like, they both have KO power. I know Chris Dawkins has a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, which while I was researching him, I know it mentioned – he mentioned on his UFC.com, a Q&A thing they did with him. He mentioned that, but the thing with this, with Dawkins is this, especially in the early rounds, he really needs to be careful and avoid any shot from Derrick Lewis because especially in the early rounds, because if he gets clipped and he and Derrick Lewis gets on top of him, he's in trouble. Because the one thing I've noticed with Derrick Lewis fights, if you ever watch, when he gets on top of somebody, they're in, they're in deep, deep trouble. I was going to say something else, but, you know, deep expletive, but still. Once he gets on top of them, they they're 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 usually gonna get knocked out or done eventually because he's got such power that his ground and pound. He needs one shot on the ground, you know, ground and pound. He can just put your lights out, and that's the thing. If you're Chris Dawkins, do everything you can to avoid getting, um, being on the bottom of Derrick Lewis because if you don't, he's gonna have a quick. You're gonna have a quick night and you're gonna get knocked out straight up. I mean, he get knocked out standing up, but still, I mean, look at. Chris, Chris Blades earlier in the year. I mean, he went for a takedown. It was calm with the uppercut and just. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like it, but I could see Derek Lewis also also getting caught by Chris Dawkins as well because those are some vicious. Like I remember that Shamil uh, Abdur Kamal fight. The mm -hmm. way he made him like throw spit twice. Hmm. I remember that. Yep, I do. Like, I can see Derrick Lewis getting caught like that because his defense isn't the greatest either. But at the same time, I could also see Derrick Lewis playing possum and then Chris Dawkins thinking everything's sweet and then Derrick Lewis coming over the top and bang, lights out. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a toss-up to me. It is a toss-up. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'll favor Derrick Lewis slightly. Just a slight favorite. Just a just a slight, like if you're for all your listeners, I'm doing like a very like um slight, like a small, like like this close type of like jester type of um he's he's just slight of a he's just slight he's just a slight favorite to me. I mean, can I see Dawkins beating him? Yeah, I can. I would I be shocked? Not really. But there, but I, I can see Derrick Lewis getting victory also. And I and I, I think he will get it personally, just slightly. I mean, maybe that's just me being the fan of Derrick Lewis, but yeah, I'm I'm a fan of him as well. But 
like I said, this could go either way. I'm not, and coming off the way Cyril Gaon took him, uh, took him apart, I could also see Chris Dawkins kind of keeping out on the outside and playing patient as well. Right, I do, but I do wonder if he has that skill of Paul Zeragon, what Zeragon did though. It, you know, it, it but Zeragon, it wasn't just with you know skill; it was more so the patience. He was just very, very patient until he really, truly saw what he needed to see. That was when he started, you know, uh, uh, teeing off on uh, Derek Lewis. But until then, it was a patience, and sometimes you just gotta have that patience with Derek Lewis. So. I mean, with that being said, I want to get right into this fight because... Oh, before that, let me just mention that Chris, Chris Dawkins is a slight favorite. Just a slight favorite. And uh, sorry about Sorry to cut you off there. Yeah, but uh, all right. So uh, Chris Dawkins being the favorite in that fight, I want to get right into the co-main event. Uh, Steven Thompson, one, Steven Wonderboy Thompson versus Bilal Muhammad. Uh, this goes down in the welterweight division. Uh, tell me, man, wh- what do you see in this fight? Because I, to me personally, I think this is Bilal Muhammad's moment. You didn't get it with uh, Leon Edwards, but this is your moment right here to kind of make a statement, jump into uh, close in the, uh, you know, in the top five and things of that nature. You, you gotta beat Wonderboy. I agree. This is Bilal's big moment. This is this is probably his biggest fight. I mean, I know Leon Edwards is a big fight, but this to me might be a, a slightly bigger fight considering who Wonder Boy is and the fact that you know Wonder Boy is you know being Wonder Boy having impressive well it's hard to have a impressive performance against Wonder Boy because of style to be fair even guys when they win they don't look great but still um needless to say uh this is Bilal's biggest opportunity to put to you know his nickname is remember the name he has opportunity for people to remember his name pun intended to you know, if he can somehow beat Wonder Boy, the problem is Wonder Boy is so tricky. Even as even at his age right now, Wonder Boy is still a tricky fire to to fight, and he can still you know hurt you with stand up. I mean, he, you know, he lost to Gilbert Burns. He when the fight was standing, he tagged Gilbert and, and kind of hurt him in the in their fight back in July. The thing with Wonder Boy is Wonder Boy's got. Oh, you're gonna say something? No, go ahead. Wonder Boy, you know, it, Wonder Boy has good wrestling defense, but you know, but you know, if you're an elite grappler or wrestler, you can take him down with success. But that's if you're an elite grappler ta- or wrestler. Ty Willie, elite wrestler, you know, has an All American from University of Missouri. Gilbert Burns, elite grappler. I mean, he's won, he's competed in one several high level Brazilian Jiu Jitsu tournaments. It's you know, with that being said, I don't think Blau Mohammed, as good as he is, is that elite grappler or wrestler. And I think, I mean, he's a good, I mean, Lil Muhammad is good all around, but I personally think Wonder Boy is, to me, has, is going to win this fight. I just think a lot of things Bilal does well. I think stand-up-wise, I think Wonder Boy can do well. And it's a style that's tricky that can give someone like Bilal a lot of problems into where Bilal may not be able to have a rhythm in place to hurt Wonder Boy, which will make it Wonder Boy's fight. And, if one if you're if you if Wonder Boy can trick you and you're all and you can't have a rhythm, it's just an easy night. It's easier night for Wonder Boy to do what he wants and get the victory. And I think that's gonna happen. Just me personally, and that could be wrong. Maybe Blah Muhammad goes out there and you know is able to figure out something about Wonder Boy and be able to take it to him and get the victory. 
I think uh, uh, what's going to play a huge part for uh, Bilal Muhammad if he wants to get a victory is he has to consistently throw a lot of leg kicks and he has to use his um, he has to use the fact that Wonder Boy is a longer fighter to his advantage. So throwing a lot of leg kicks, getting his legs uncomfortable. And then from there, you're rushing in, not letting him get range. You dictate range. And from there, you can dictate pace. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Length and um, leg kicks. Yeah, yeah, that's a good. Yeah, that's a, those are good points. If he can, if he can implement them, maybe he has a. He probably has a great chance of probably being Wonder Boy, or at least a better chance than before. I didn't think about that. That's a good point there, Chef Dan. So, um, with that being said, uh, you want to get into the next fight? Um, yeah, I know Wonder Boy is the favorite in the betting odds, which is, but. But yeah, um, let's let's go on to the next fight, which is a women's strawweight matchup between Amanda Lemos and Angela Hill. Angela Hill comes in this fight ranked number twelve, Lemos number eleven, and Lemos is on a four-fight winning streak, and she has seven KOTKOs of her ten victories. She has one loss to Leslie Smith back in twenty seventeen, but since then, has she's fought four? I think this is um Lemos's third fight a year. I do. Let me just check. I know she's been more and more active. I wanted to mention that Bilal Muhammad also, this is his fourth fight of the year. So Bilal's been very active because remember, he fought in February to the the late notice fight against Leon Edwards, fought against Damian Maya in June, and then that's by Wonderboy. And now Lemos, I do believe this is her. um, Yeah, this is her third fight of the year. Yeah. And she's come off an impressive first round TKO of uh, TKO or. And back in um July, I can't remember her opponent's name now. It's I know it's Rodiz, but it's, but her name is also a different name as well. I, but either way, she's coming up first round victory, and she looks like so. Like I said, women's strawweight is the best um division at women's MMA. I've said that before, and I think that I and I still stand by it. I think Amanda Lemos and her, you know, someone like her being the division definitely makes it more deeper. Improves my point as she can be someone who, with big for Angela Hill, can definitely step into that near that top 10 um, ranking and put herself as a nerd woman to watch out for in this ultra stack division. But Angela Hill is no slouch. I mean, she's no pushover. Angela Hill, you know, she's you look at her record 13 10, but she's lost some very close fights, some fights that you can make arbit probably should have gone her way. And she's always she always brings it. I mean, Angela Hill is never in a boring fight that I can recall. Angela Hill always exciting, very fun, and people in a lot of USC fans love like Angela Hill because of her style and things like that. And and um, <clears throat> excuse me, my apologies there. And um, and I, I, I think Angela Hill she does throw. She is a very talented fighter and. Very entertaining fight. I think this fight's going to be a very exciting, entertaining fight. Personally, the last time I recall Angela Hill getting like dominated or finished and finished was probably what the Rose Namunis fight from 2015. Like I said, that was 2015. I, I don't recall that her game like that happened to her ever since. I mean, unless I'm forgetting a fight. She hasn't gotten finished, but she has gotten dominated recently. Okay. That's. Oh, sorry, Tisha Torres. That's right, the Tisha Torres fight. Yeah, it's a good. That good was fight. a bad loss. That was a bad loss. The 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 first Tisha Torres loss was a bad loss, and the second one was even worse. Yes, second one was worse. That's a good point. 
Yeah, um, I'm a fan of Angela Hill, but I got uh, uh, Amanda Lemos taking this. Her power is too much, and the way she fights, I think, is a bad combination for this. Uh, the way Angela Hill fights, Angela Hill's probably gonna want to, you know, fight at a distance and try and win off of points. Amanda Lemos is gonna rush in and try and go for a finish. I think she's gonna finish Angela Hill. I I forgot to mention. I was gonna mention that. I think Lemos does press four a lot, and someone like I might really mess up Angela Hill, especially she's a fight off her back foot. And like I said, we know Lemos got power, so I, it's possible that Lemos can, you know, finish her. And I, th- I wouldn't be surprised if Lemos does that, though. That's you know, I mean, I think I think you know you know, signed a lot about Angela Hill and things like that. But I do think Lemos is gonna win. What? Do I think it's going to be finished? Possibly. I, you know, I do lean towards that, but I can also see a decision loss. Either way, I think Lima should win, but Angela Hill can pull off an upset, though. Although I don't expect it, though. Yeah, I'm not expecting an upset with that one. I'm, I'm taking Lemos all the way. Yeah. 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 I mean, she might be another contender in this ever-growing strike division. That's very, like I said, best oh, division yeah. in women's MMA. She's a rising far. contender. She's a rising contender. Yeah. Let's go on to the next fight, the fourth fight in this card, which is, well, not the fourth fight of the card, but the fourth fight that we're talking about in this card, which is um, Rafael Asensio taking on Ricky Simone. Rafael Asensio is ranked number 12, but he has come out three straight losses. And Ricky Simone's coming out with three is, is on a three fight winning streak. And Sun Sal is, you know, an OG. And the guy's been fighting since 2004, I believe. At least 05 or 04 on that range. I know that. And this is a guy who's beating Aljamain Sterling, Rob Font. You know, he has a victory over Marlon Marais. And, and, you know, he technically has a victory over VTD Dillashaw, but it was controversial. But we won't, but we won't get into that. It's an owner's discussion for another day. But yeah, it's a guy who's been there, done that. Be a lot of guys fought in WEC back in the day when WEC was the only place for bantamweights and featherweights to fight. And this is a guy who, before this fight, had a bad string of luck. Like he lost to Cody Garbrandt a year and a half ago in June of 2020, and he was supposed to fight, you know, a couple of times this year. But he, he you know, he had a bad string of luck. He got COVID, or one, he has, or he had a bicep injury, if I'm mistaken, or injury, or. Fights like someone could pull it out, so he's at so this is he's finally able to get a fight this year. He just he had a back string of luck. You may argue maybe it helps him because if you remember, he got knocked out viciously by Cody Garbrandt in his last fight. I mean, he was you, you remember, he was like laid flat down and he's yeah. getting old and he's getting older, so usually getting knocked out of that age can really like you know really slow down, really, yeah, really slow him down. So I guess the only good thing is he hasn't fought since then, so maybe I might help him this fight. Although Ricky Simone is coming off, like I said, three fight win streak, and Ricky Simone is a very talented fighter. Like I said, after those the loss to Faber and Rafon, he's put on three three threes in a row, and he's a very good. And I personally think Ricky might take this. Like this could be you know a big victory for Ricky Simone, put himself in the rankings of the bantamweight division. I, th- I expect that personally. While just me, I think Sansa is at the end of his run, end of his career. Just that's just me. I mean, what do you think of this fight, um, Dan? Um, and check that new blood in this division. We need someone to fight uh 
We need someone to fight a, 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 a Kai Kai of France. We need someone to fight a Manel Cop. We need it's new blood in this division. Oh, no, 135. To, I'm sorry. 135. Oh. I'm sorry. I'm a little tired right now. That's Excuse okay. Me. But uh, um, I'm sorry. Uh, Sh- Sean O'Malley, he's in that division. Sean yeah. O'Malley, yeah. Frankie Edgar just lost. Uh, uh, I know Dom- Dominic Cruz is sticking around, but uh, Marab Divishwali, he's in the division. Corey Sandhagen, he's still, you know, he's lost in, you know, in top five right now, coming off of two losses against uh, championship quality fighters, but he's still right there. You, we got to in- inject new blood in that division. Song Yudong is on the rise. Yeah. Yeah. Gio Vera. You naming them. Yeah, we got some new blood, like a lot of new blood in this division. I mean, I mean, we got a lot, you know, PR Young's technically newer. I mean, I mean, I guess if you want to put him there, maybe not, but still, yeah, we got a lot of new fresh blood, and this could be Ricky Simone's chance to inject himself there. It looks like that way. Sometimes, you know, a division kind of cleans itself out. You're, yeah, you're right, and I think it, that's what's going to happen with um, Simone when he goes against um, Asantel. Now, that did you think? What? Uh, no, but especially with, uh, you know, two of his victories coming off of uh, – coming from decision, I know he's, you know, going to go the distance. He, he's gotten a couple of uh, KOs all through, uh, you know, his uh, career, but he also can go uh, to, to the ground and get some submissions. You said Asancia just came off a bad KO? Yeah, if you remember, his last fight was Cody Garbrandt back in June 2020. That's what I'm saying. The good thing with, you know, he hasn't been on fight since then. The good, because he had bad luck in terms of injuries and COVID, things like that. The only good thing about that is that he's not returning so soon. But, and Ricky Simone is not exactly a guy known for his power. I mean, he's got 10 of his 18 victories are by decisions, but still. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if this ends in submission. You think so, huh? Yeah. I mean, I mean, Asuncio does have a, a good. Granted, they were when he was younger, a lot of submission victories. But to be fair, his recent victories have all been by decision. Yeah, but I think Ricky Simone wins this by uh by submission. Okay, really, really. Okay, I mean. Yeah, I think if he hurts him, he definitely could. Like Marlon Marais, you remember the second Marlon fight where Marlon dropped him and then went for, uh, ran, I think, Rick Cho Guillotine. I forget. One of those two and was able to finish um, a Sun Sal. Could be that. but It, it could be, but I, nah, I, I see Ricky Simone hurting, hurting him and going for a submission. All right. Well, from there, I guess we could go to the next fight. Which is uh, Diego Ferreira versus Matus Gamrat. I pronounced his name right. I remember my first first time he fought. Well, not the first time. First time, you know, I had to say his name. I freaking couldn't say it to save my freaking life. But now I remember it. Ga- gamer, you know, Matus Gamrat. Either way, um, he's going against Diego Ferreira, who's ranked number 12 in the, in the lightweight division. And Gamrat's coming off a first round, I believe, first round knockout of Jeremy Stevens. I know he knocked him out. Just I think it was first round, by I'm mistaken. I don't want to get it wrong, but 
I I know Gamrat has he had I know his first two UFC fights he's no nah, it was a it was a Kimura in the first round. Oh Kimura, I don't know why I thought knockout. No, because know... he knocked him down and then got the Kimura. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, you're right. You're right about that. Okay, it's a, I know his first two UFC fights have all been by he's won by finish. You know, his in January he won by by um not January excuse me April he won by uh he won by uh, KO over Scott Holzman. That's what I'm probably thinking of also. Scott Holzman fight. Um, you hear me right? Gamrod's got some power to him. He does. And, and I didn't know Diego Ferreira has, you know, fought a tougher, a much tougher competition so far than um, Gamrod. I think Gamrod has the momentum. I think Gamrod can... I think he can beat Diego Ferreira. You know, Diego. Yeah, go ahead. Especially with uh, Diego Ferreira coming off of two losses. Granted, you know, um, Benil Daryush, Gregor Gillespie, we could see those guys, you know, moving up in, in rankings and doing better things. But, um, yeah, you're coming off of two losses. You kind of need this one. You need this one to stick around. But Gamrot, he's got, he's got great power. And I think uh, – I think Diego Fierro is going to come in with his head on fire, and that's going to leave him liable to getting knocked out. That's true. Yeah, that's a good point. But one thing I can see with um, Fierro is I can see potentially maybe maybe Gamera gets – if you're a Gamera, you don't get too over-anxious or too, like, you know, you extend yourself to the – especially where Carlos can probably take – or Diego Fair can take you down, maybe get a submission victory. I can I wouldn't surprise Diego gets a submission victory over um Gamrot. I wouldn't be surprised there, but if Gamrot's smart enough, what he would do is reassess from that moment, get right back up to the feet, and be patient. You know what's gonna get you. Like I, I think I think clean boxing is gonna get him a knockout. That's what I think right here. I mean, I'm, I'm I struggle with who I think is gonna win because this is one of those fights that I can. I mean, I, I think Gamrod. I mean, I know Gam. I mean, I like what I saw from Gamrod, but I also know that Dale Ferreira is not exactly a pushover, and he's he's lost two in a row. But it's to you know, Gary Dubesky and Daniel Benio Darius. Matter of fact, two his losses to Benio Darius, which. That's looked, which that's looked much better over time. I mean, we see, see how good Darius is, but um, but it's like, I, I just think that, you know he's faced tougher competition than Gamrat, so it's like, uh, you know, I struggle with this fight, just me personally. I mean, I'm I'll lean towards Gamrat, Gamrat but I won't be surprised if Fair wins. How about that? Okay, okay, yeah, I I I can agree with you on that. Right, yeah, definitely. Can we can we see this fight? Can we see we get a new lightweight contender in the rankings, or Fair keeps the spot? We shall find out. Most and then, definitely. and then I, I believe this is the oh, the first fight of the main card. If I'm mistaken, Cub Swanson against Darren Elkins, two OGs fighting each other. Most definitely. I mean, Cubs 27-12, Darren Elkins 26-9. I mean. Darren Elkins' nickname the damage is an appropriate nickname for him because that guy does take damage, and you can see his face sometimes. He definitely had takes damage, but he's yeah. never had a fight. We see him come back from fights where he would look like he was getting his butt whipped, but 
come strong at the end. He's done it before. And Cub Swanson's a guy who's fought the who's who of the 145 weight class. I mean, he's fought guys like Chad Mendes, Jose Aldo, Frank Yeager, Jeremy Stevens, Hallway, etc. You name him, he's fought them. He's beat some of them too. But at the same time, he, you know, he, he, I mean, I, I expect this to be like a, I just could be fight the night personally. It might, yeah. It's something tells me, yeah, I agree with you. Fight of the night. And I also think, um, man. I think I, I might give it to Cub Swanson. I think so, too. I mean, I think Cub wins this fight slightly. Because both guys are exciting fighters. They're not exactly boring guys like or guys who are – they both bring it. Yeah. So I think that's why we have, like, fight night expectations. I think this could be – This definitely runner. could be fight of the night. Yep. I'm excited. I mean, this fight is like – I can't – I mean, I'm excited to see. Like, I just – I mean, would, would Darren Elkins bleed? Probably. Yes. <laughs> yes. Cus Watson might bleed too. I mean, potentially. But yeah, no, both of these guys might end up bleeding. And Darren, I didn't, I just realized Darren Elkins, um, it's crazy because Darren Elkins has that victory over Masar Betik, which was, you know, when I talk about comeback victories, that was one of the all-time like comeback victories because Betik was whooping him and came back and came back and knocked Betik out with an elbow and they're around. Then he was on a roll. He won two in a row after that, including victories of Brunis and Michael Johnson, then lost to Volkanowski, which how about that? That's aged very well. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, was on a four or five losing streak, but then it's won two in a row since then by some by victor by um finishes, where be Rick could choke against Luis um Luis um, Gar- Gargori and then a TKO victory over Derek Derek Minor back in July. So he's on a he's you know he's on he's on a little win streak right now Darren Elkins and Cub Swanson if I'm I'm trying to remember his last fight was a loss to Giga Chikazian back Giga, in May, yeah. which I mean Giga is Giga I mean no shame losing that guy, none. And, and before that, he was on a two fight win streak so so we shall so it's interesting to see like where where does um yeah who wins I mean I mean I think Cub's gonna win. Personally, but I can see Darren win, but I'm leaning towards Cub like you. Uh, yeah, I'm leaning towards Cub for this one. But this is fight of the night potential to me. I see it. I mean, I can see I see Cub getting a I can see Cub getting a late a late finish. Yeah, this goes into the third round. This doesn't this doesn't uh it's it isn't fight of the night without it going to the third round. It is. Does, yep, I totally agree with you there. And um, is there any other fights you want to break down, uh, talk about maybe before we um, before we clear our stream? Um, hmm. they do have some interesting names here. Uh, Raquel Pennington versus Macy uh, Chasen. That one's gonna be interesting to me. Uh, Rocky was coming off a very impressive victory against uh. Who was her last fight? Who? Yeah, I. I she, I, you're I right about that. Her last fight was very impressive. The way she mixed it in was uh with um dirty boxing and all the Penny Kiaz uh it. That's who she last fought. And oh yeah, she's come, she has a two fight winning streak right now. She also beat um Marion Renault when Marion Renault retired. So, uh, yeah, Rocky's. That's gonna be a very interesting fight. 
Also, Sajara Eubanks is on the card as well. So I'm going to be interested in her fight. She fights Melissa Gatto. So, yeah, I just want to watch that out. And also, Charles Air Jordan versus Andre uh, Ewell. I'm interested in in those three fights. And I got to, by default, because I counted him out the last fight, I got to watch him now. Gerard Mearshart, the way he won his last fight, comeback style, I got to watch him. Yeah, I got to say, Jared, the Gerard Mearshart fight got me interested. I do want to see what he does there. And also, you mentioned Rocky or Pell Pennington versus Macy Chiasen. Uh, oh, excuse me. I'm surprised that's deep in the prelims, considering that's an important bantamweight fight, considering Raquel is ranked number eight and Macy is ranked number 10. You would think that would be, you know, main event prelims, maybe, you know, instead of like, I believe what, it's the third fight in the car. Oh, it's, it's that women's featherweight. Okay, okay, okay. No wonder why. Ah, I see. This is a featherweight fight. Ah. Uh, I was about to say, why is that during the prelims? Because it's an important bantamweight fight, but that explains it. Okay. It's in the I mean, featherweight division. Okay. Which. Let's be honest. They don't have a fairweight division. I mean, they really Nunez. don't. It's Nunez. Yeah. Especially Felicia Spencer retiring like a couple weeks ago. It, it don't make no sense. Yeah, it's a ner- yeah. We can do a whole video on the fairweight situation. Like, why do they have it? Like, it's just. I mean, Kayla Harrison would definitely help, but it's like, who is she gonna? I mean, she, she they got it. Like, you'd have to build the whole roster. That's it. Yeah, exactly. That's a great point. I mean, okay, that explains. Yeah, but Raquel Panton, Macy, and Chiasen fight is an interesting fight to see. I mean, I don't think any of them win. They're going to get Amanda Nunes for the fairweight title, especially after what happened last Saturday. She got nah. busy with Julia Pena. But, I mean, at the same time, that was – that's the – that's the dilemma of being champ-champ is – Defending it in two divisions, if you get a number one contender in the other division, especially after you just lost, I know you, you still, you still, like, you're still a champion at the end of the day. I know you have a rematch clause you want to take care of and things of that nature, but you were originally a champion of one division. At some point, you may have to just choose one division. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it'd be interesting to see what happens to the featherweight division or the, the title, knowing that this loss happened. Like, where is Amanda go? Like, does she want to? Yeah, does she want to defend it, or 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 does she like f- do the rematch and defend it afterwards? Maybe someone can rise up and potentially get a title fight in that division. Decisions, decisions. Yep, she got a lot of decisions that she got. She's going to make, and also the UFC is going to make about that weight class. Uh, excuse me, hang on. I don't know why the background changed. My bad. Anyway, um, yeah. Um, anything else you want to say before we say good night to the? Sh- um, just um, I'm yeah. Uh, the fights start. The prelims, I believe, start at four four o'clock, yep. and the main card starts at seven o'clock. So, just everyone be ready for that. It's Saturday. This Saturday, 4 p.m., that's when the prelims start. And the main card, once again, starts at 7 p.m., so be on the lookout for that. Right, and um, definitely. And I got to say, yep, 
I can't wait to see this. This is going to be a good way to end the, end the year. What a fantastic way. For another successful year in UFC, I mean, this year was definitely a great year. To, not just UFC, but MMA, Bellator, UFC, PFL. I mean, you start even, off with the bang, so end it off with the bang. Derek Lewis and, and Chris Dawkins. Someone's getting knocked out. Yeah. Oh yeah, before we um before we go off the air, I do want to show um my I do want I do, I mean, I don't know if I should mention oh, you, it. Oh, no, no, we have to mention it. Yeah. This Saturday as well. Jake Paul versus Tyron Woodley 2. Yep. At 9 p.m. I mean, hopefully you'll be able to watch some UFC, you watch some good fighting and then you if if you have the 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 stomach and the energy, watch that. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot these two are also on the card as well. It's not just Jake Paul, Tyron Willie, but two NFL yeah. athletes, Darren Williams versus Frank Gore, in a boxing fight. As I sh- as Dan is just just <laughs> yeah, I got oh. I got to go to work in the morning, brother. Let's yeah. Yeah, let's end it. Like I said, this this is the main show. Lewis and um Doc is this right here. Yeah. I'll, this is what we want to see. Anyway, um, thank you guys for watching us. Thank you guys. We would we will be doing a show next week, of course, breaking out what happened in the UFC card. But um can't wait, you know. It's been it's been, you know, we're near the end of the year now and definitely excited to, you know, you know, to, hopefully we can end the show here on a good. I'm pretty sure UFC will end in a good note the end of the year, and hopefully we can end the end the year on a good note also for us on this program. Thank you for everyone for tuning in, supporting us. Where you look, where you watch us on YouTube live or after the fact. Also, thank you guys for watching us on audio or audio listeners. We appreciate having you guys on. Thank you for listening to us on podcast platforms like Anchor FM, Spotify, Podbean, Reason FM, Buzzsprout. We appreciate you, all you guys, wherever you probably support us and watch us. And like I said, it's been a, you know, I don't want to get too much sentimental about the year because we still have another show left in in the year. Dan, Dan, I think you're muted. Oh, and we still might have one more show right after that to um, rank all the, uh, the, the events that we had this year. We might rank some fights and things of that nature, fight of the year. We might have to do that this year. Mhm. You're right. We've probably got le- yeah. It's true. We got at least two more shows this year, and I just realized it. So yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll can't wait to break it down. Can't wait for these shows. Thank. You. Like I said, it's been you know it's been a pretty cool year. We've had we've done a lot of good things in the show. Even like interviewing Billy Swanson. Shout out to you if you're watching this. Most definitely, and salute to Billy Swanson as well on his upcoming Fighters League in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh, I. Oh man, I don't have my phone on me, so I have to. Uh, I'll bring up the name next week. But uh, salute to Billy Swanson; he's doing big things out there and helping out his community. Right, and shout, right, and shout out to everyone's watching us, listening to us, and um, shout, yeah, definitely. And like I said, we'll see you guys next week. And thank you guys for tuning in and watching us. Don't get, don't get to like the video and you know leave, leave, you know leave um, reviews if you can. on Some of these platforms, you know, positive reviews definitely appreciate it. And Till then, guys, good night and stay safe and enjoy the fights. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, we are.